Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Demcast Network. I'm Kimberly Johnson in D.C., quarantined. Today I'm going to be talking with M, the feminist next door. It's been a while. She was going to come on in January, but then there was a schedule conflict, so we didn't have that show. And then, you know, things get busy, shows get booked. So finally she's here, and I'm really glad because there were a couple of different things that I wanted to address with her, things that have been on my mind. Um, I had mentioned the last time she was on the show that I wanted to talk to her about the term slut. So we did cover that today. And I'm not even really going to describe it. I just want you to hear it because I posed a scenario to her and I wanted to get her take on that word. And so we did that. Also, we talked about toxic femininity. She was on the show before and basically she was saying there was no such thing. And when I had Jared Sexton on the show, he said, yes, there is such a thing because Phyllis Schlafly is a toxic, is not a toxic feminist, but, you know, used used femininity in a toxic way. So I wanted to address this with M because I, I have seen some posts where, um, recent posts where she's been talking about that very subject and addressing it, but I wanted to get in depth. And of course we did. And it was a fascinating chat because as usual and as always, she has a unique perspective and she's able to take very complicated subjects and make them easier to understand. And she indulged me. She indulged me because I just, I wanted to have that conversation. And we did. So we talked about those things. We did touch on who she was interested in and in seeing as becoming VP and why. We always talk about VP, so we did that. Um, and I also explained at the start of the show that, and so you'll just have to listen to it, but I fucking hate Facebook so much. And I got kicked off for three days. So, um, you know, people always say, well, you should, leave Facebook, you should dump Facebook. I would love to dump Facebook, but you know what? I still need it because I'm trying to grow this show. So this is a perfect segue into Start Me Up is an independent podcast and it's woman run and I'm the woman and I would love to have enough people subscribe to the show that I could just say, fuck you, Facebook, and not need it. But right now, I'm not in that position. But you could help me. <laughs> you can become a patron of the show. Just go to patreon.com slash start me up. Now, you'll see all the tiers. There's a dollar tier and a $2 tier and whatever. You know, you can subscribe for any dollar amount you wish. $5 gets you into the patrons-only version of the show. That is where I usually, like yesterday, I did one with Steph. I think people enjoyed that. It's a more personal show. So I either do it with a co-host. Steph is the one I do it with most often. Um, or I'll do a solo show. But the emphasis uh, is on the fact that it's more personal so that you have, you know, maybe we'll talk about politics a little bit. But, it, you know, maybe we share stories from, from, from our past. Like yesterday, we did share some crazy fucking stories uh, from our youth. And, you know, sometimes I'm going to make it about patriarchy. Sometimes I'm going to rant on my own. But, again personal and that's eventually going to be for five dollar subscribers i haven't set it to that right now if you subscribe for one dollar you will get those patrons only shows as i get more subscribers i will eventually make it only for the five dollar tier so you know if, if you're just like hmm, i'm not sure what to think about the show sign up sign up for like two bucks a month two dollars you can afford two dollars a month and then if you're like, yeah, I really like these shows, then you can later become a $5 subscriber. Or if you just really love the show and you, you want to support me, any dollar amount is welcome. $10, $25, whatever you want. I appreciate and I'm grateful for everything. Um, if you'd like to make a one-time donation, that's another option. Just go to the Patreon, or, yeah, the Patreon description of the show. You'll see my email address. You can make a PayPal donation. 
I appreciate everybody who does that too. And last, you can find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. It would be awesome if you could please become a subscriber. That's free on Apple on Apple Podcasts. And then give the show a positive review. So far, I've been people have been paying attention and doing that. So thank you. More please, more beg me begging. Um, I, I really love that because it gets me up higher in that whole Apple podcast algorithm thing. Subscribe. Give me a good rating if you like the show and a good review if you like the show. So I would just really appreciate that. All right. That's it. Now, please enjoy my conversation with the feminist next door. Welcome back to the show, Em. Hi. Thanks for having me. It's been a while. I know. I missed you. How, how's your uh, shelter in place going? Uh, it's going better than not sheltering in place. <laughs> <Yeah. I guess. laughs> no shit, huh? <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it's been pretty wild in New York, that's for I sure. I can only imagine what, I mean, you know, where I'm living... Obviously, it's not quite as bad as far as COVID cases, but during the evenings, specifically, I hear the sirens. I know that there's a, um, a firehouse like right up the street from me, but still, I hear sirens a lot more often than I usually do. And every time I hear one, I just like my heart drops and I think, oh, you know, what the fuck is this? But I, you know, I know in New York, you hear them a lot more often. Yeah, you know, it was weird for me because I I don't know if maybe I do hear them, you know, regularly and I just don't think about it. And then maybe now because it was on my mind or I was mm-hmm. just remembering it more. Yeah. But I, I don't live very far. I live in Queens and I, and I don't live very far from Elmhurst. It's my local hospital. And I, I, there was a, a period of weeks where I just felt like it just didn't end. Like yeah. it was just constant the sirens were constant all day and all night that's just so this is all so awful and i'm you know there i wrote something yesterday that i believe that this is just it's going to get worse because um americans are antsy to get back out there's not any any one person that they can you know like it used to be that we could go to the nightly news and trust the nightly news whether you were Mm -hmm. republican or you know democrat or whatever and we don't have that anymore so um, it's like people get are getting misinformation they're getting disinformation they're getting opinions and all this stuff and so um, I know that the 1918 flu pa- during that time during the flu pandemic at that time they um, basically felt a false sense of security because the curve was flattening and they reopened and didn't necessarily follow any restrictions, and then there was it. Be, it got worse. Now, mm-hmm. and 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 so I'm I'm so fucking pissed today. I'm like I'm so angry. I hate Facebook so much, and I hate that I still have to depend on it. And I think that's what's really making me angry. But I posted this on Facebook, also on Twitter. But I posted short-sighted, impatient, impatient Americans are going to make this virus much worse. States will open up. Folks will throw caution to the wind and COVID deaths will increase. If we just simmer the fuck down and respect the big picture, we'd be better off. But Americans are too selfish. So within five minutes, Facebook flagged me for this and said that it was inappropriate hate speech or whatever. And now I'm locked out of Facebook for three days for saying that. And I know that it has to do with COVID. Like I know that because I know that it's AI that got me and, you know, I, I use the term virus and I use COVID and 
they didn't like it. Whatever the AI decided, the you know words going together, they're like, "Fuck you, Kimberly, no," and um, and it's like it makes me so angry because I was talking to my um, friend Steph yesterday on a patrons only show, and I gave the story of. I'm no longer friends with this girl because she's just fucking stupid and she's sharing misinformation from LifeSite News. And, and it was from these two doctors who last night on Chris Hayes, he like totally, um, these doctors are basically saying we should be able to go out and it's not as bad as it seems. But they have yeah, like... Yeah, you guys own the urgent care, right? I think so, yes. And yeah. they're, you know, benefiting from it financially. And so my, my stupid friend, who's no longer my friend, um, had posted this article, which I'm sure is still up. And, you know, and my opinion of this um, gets me locked out. And, you know, I don't have a very... Still up, but it's been, it's been already replaced, you know, in the queue with, with something else even more ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, I've been... I, I, you're not allowed to... Um, on Facebook, you're not allowed to criticize white people because that's hate speech. I've, been, I've already been dinged for hate speech like a million times for that. They've already shut my big fucking page down once. And I, I am so resentful that I still have to depend on it. And like if I if I post about it on Facebook, everybody's like, well, I mean, on Twitter, they should just leave Facebook. And it's like, yeah, I wish I could. Why don't you sign up for my podcast? <laughs> wow, that's so odd. I didn't realize that Facebook um, had an issue with talking about white people. You're not, I, you, if you say white trash, somebody said white trash bag, but the AI yeah. picked it up and, and put her out for however many days. So you're not allowed to say white trash. You're not allowed. Like I wrote, a, I wrote an article about how white men rape women and children and white judges let them off. And I got mm-hmm. dinged for hate speech. And that, like, it's true. I was ba- I backed it up with like numerous sources. Here's I this story. It's like thinking that it's white nationalism or something. That's so interesting. Yeah. I think what it is, is it's like, I mean, I don't know what would happen if you were going to, if, if you trashed, you know, black people or hispanic people maybe you would Mm -hmm. get dinged for hate speech and so you're not allowed to trash anybody white black hispanic or whatever but it's like i know for sure you're you're getting a lot of that really you've never tested it out no i haven't tested it oh my god it's just it's so fucking it's just it's all stupid so it's like i'm all riled up today it was like the first thing that happened and so you know how like when you wake up and you get online and you say something and then you get fucking kicked off for Facebook for three days. I just like, (laughs) I hate them. And I live for the day that I no longer depend on Facebook. So there's my little rant. There's my little rant of why I'm pissed, but I'm really glad you're here because, um, I totally want to talk to you about toxic femininity again. And I have a totally different angle. (laughs) Okay. So now number one, um, we've talked about this before and I saw that you recently posted something on Twitter and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong and I'm probably wrong, but it had, y- you made the point that, and, and maybe I'll just make the point and you can make it better, but that, you know, the more feminine you are, the less of a threat you are. You, and, and so like when we talk about toxic mascu- masculinity, that can be threatening because it, it, Part of toxic masculinity can be violence, whether it's violence against women or just violence in general. Um, but when you're to- when when it's toxic femininity, uh, the more feminine you are, like the less likely you're gonna do anything to hurt people. So why don't you explain that better than I just did? <laughs> sure. So 
Um, so to be clear, there's there's a couple of, I guess I would call them ground rules because we're talking about a theory of, of sociology here, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a social science theory. Uh, that's what toxic masculinity is. It's a, a theory of behavior and society. So the the words toxic masculinity mean something specific here. Mm-hmm. So um, we're not talking about like general like poisons. We're not talking about general masculinity. We're talking about right. a specific thing, um, which is toxic masculinity. And um, we would define that by saying that, you know, much like uh, other substances can become toxic by dosage. Mm-hmm. In this case, uh, we're talking about uh, norms of masculinity that in extremes, and that means either by volume or by intensity, um, can become toxic because they become harmful to the the actor or others. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... That's ground rule number one. This is a specific theory. The second thing is, when we're talking about norms of masculinity and norms of femininity, we're talking about traditionally ascribed traits of femininity and masculinity. And importantly, those are personality or behavioral traits. Mm -hmm. They're not typically um, physical appearance traits, although honestly, you know, most people do associate uh physical appearance traits with the masculine and feminine but but uh historically they really are pretty inconsistent and certainly they are geographically inconsistent in terms of the standards Uh so um i just don't think it's particularly accurate to ascribe a certain body type um to to masculine or feminine uh, as a tradition Mm um and we're talking about um you know traditionally ascribed uh behaviors or personalities we are not talking about stereotypes yeah yes Um, yes so with all of that said you have a situation where there are certain norms of masculinity and i would encourage anyone to just pull up a list you know you just google you know traditional traditional feminine traditional masculine there's lots of different lists they're all sort of roughly the same. And I think we can pretty easily conjure in our minds um, what we mean here. So some examples of um, traditionally uh, masculine norms would be confident, aggressive, assertive, uh, leadership, um, you know, head of household, competitive. um, Whereas uh, are independent, uh, strong-willed, um, where at stoic is a big one. Um, yes. Whereas with women, um, they're the feminine, I should say, um, you know, traditional traits would be cooperative, uh, deferential, mm-hmm. caretaker, nurturing, um, uh, usually skilled but what it means is like helpful mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> um i've often especially in older lists you'll see eager mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. yeah um so 
um, that, that's what I mean when I'm talking about those types of lists. And again, you know, very easy to find these. And when we think about traits that are traditionally masculine, um, they can become toxic yes. in of themselves. So what I mean by that is it doesn't take anybody but the actor to make being aggressive in the extreme toxic or dangerous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the difference, the primary difference between that and, and femininity is that one, the traits that are ascribed to femininity are by design, Mm non-threatening. So if we want to apply the theory of toxic masculinity to, as a foil in femininity, which, oh, a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. Men are desperate to make it fit. Yeah. Um, we have to find a way that norms that are literally by design non-threatening uh, can become harmful. Mm-hmm. And they, they can be. Um, certainly uh, some examples that uh, have been uh, given in the past that I thought were good were um, if you become so deferential mm-hmm. that either you allow other people to harm you or harm others mm-hmm. um, and you aren't willing to, you know, to protect yeah. yourself or others. Um, if you become, you know, so eager to please or helpful um, that you, uh, you know, you are putting aside your own needs, um, you know, th- uh, being timid, um, or one that's often used is uh, helicopter parenting. So like changing nurturing to being overbearing. Mm-hmm. And in that case, I would say that you're sort of changing the nature of the trait. So I'm not really sure I I, I would go there. Like, extremely nurturing to mm-hmm. me is not the same thing as overbearing. Right. Um, so uh, with that being said, you know, those things can become harmful. But the, the distinction is that they all require a third party. So, like, if I'm very, 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 very deferential, that's totally fine, unless someone else is there to manipulate me. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I want to ask you, though, because, like, I look at this a little differently now than I used to. Uh-huh. Um, and I kind of see this, and I hope I expre- express myself well. But I think there's a version of toxic femininity that is like, okay, a third party. It is kind of under the umbrella of, it's still under the umbrella of patriarchy. Patriarchy tells men they have to be stoic. They have to be this. They have to be that. And then, you know, with with some men, um, the repression and the you know, desire, like there, there's an inner desire to feel like they want to express themselves, but they can't. And then that makes them angry and makes them lash out or whatever the reason is. So on the flip side of that, I'm going to give a spoiler here. So heads up, I've been watching. um, And and first of all, I want to point out that there's a guy named Jared Yates Sexton, who I've had on the show. And he pointed out that there can be such a thing as toxic femininity. And he used Phyllis Schlafly as an example. And, And I had not thought about that And I was like, hmm, that was really an interesting point he made. And so now that I'm watching Miss America, and this is what I'm going to give spoilers, it's a series and it's on Hulu and it's about Phyllis Schlafly and her effort to kill the Equal Rights Amendment back in the 70s. Um, You know, it's a spoiler, but it's, it's history and you should watch it no matter. I think everybody who's listening to this should watch it. 
Now, I, I, I really could not stand that woman. I've only seen the first um, episode, and I was so fucking angry when I found out why she chose to rail against the ERA. So basically the story was, you know, I guess she had run for office before. She's a smart person and wanted to be involved in politics. But of course, politics is all men, right? So especially in the 70s, it's a boys club. So there's, you know, people are, women are coming up to her and, you know, saying, um, you need to get, you need to go against the ERA because it's taking away um, our right to, you know, be a happy homemaker. And, and then all the bullshit myths that um, the anti-ERA groups wanted us to believe. Like if your father, if your husband leaves you or dies, you're not going to get any benefits. That's not true. Um, the big thing that they used was uh, that women could be drafted. And the idea is like the women could be drafted either way plus the women are are, women are already in the military and they're fighting and they still don't have constitutional protection so that's not there's no argument that you can make that really um defends not having an equal rights amendment but anyway so phyllis schlafly initially when women were coming up to her and people were coming up to her and, and saying you need to take this on you need to take this on she's just like not giving a shit about it she's like no this is nothing this is nothing i don't care about this what she really was interested in was foreign policy. She was well-versed in it, and she, you know, whether she was right or not, she knew what she was talking about. She knew about, you know, she, she made good points and all this stuff. So anyway, there's the scene where she is included in, in this conversation with a couple of men, high, you know, high-profile po- political men, and they make a point about foreign policy, and then she jumps in and starts to make a point, and she knows what she's fucking talking about, and they, one guy cuts her off, And says, you know what, would you mind taking notes for this meeting so we can have a record? And he just totally shut her up. And you could see the look on her face. She was silenced by men. She was as smart or smarter than most of them in that room. And immediately was basically turned into a secretary. It was at that moment she brought up the Equal Rights Amendment and started to use it um, as a point to make to show them that you know she was a badass or whatever, and they listened to her, and that was it. So basically, she was being ignored as an as a woman who had something substantive. Substantive. Sub, I can't say the word. She was a woman who was being ignored, even when she um, was making a, a a very smart point. And so, because she recognized that she was dismissed she decided to attack women's rights so she could have attention. And I haven't seen the second episode. My mother saw it and she, um, she was like, oh my God, this fucking woman. She just doesn't, she didn't give a shit who she stomped all over and she, she betrayed women so she could basically be a feminist. You know what I mean? Like she could, she could yeah. go off. And, and so I've always said, you know, feminists paved the way for her to have that platform where she dissed feminism um, but to know that she chose that subject for that reason, like infuriates me. And so I, I think in terms of like, I can look at Ivanka Trump and she kind of does the same thing. She plays this, you know, Phyllis Schlafly told women that they should wear skirts and they should smile. And because, you know, those dirty feminists had hairy armpits and they yelled. So they were, you know, they were achy and, and, unsavory and dirty uh, according to her 
And, you know, so they wanted to, Phyllis wanted to convince these homemakers who, who didn't like the ERA because, uh, you know, maybe whether or not they felt like they were living lives as, as like a servant to their husbands, they didn't have the confidence or the desire to go out and get a job. So a feminist who could go out and get a job made them feel, you know, inferior or threatened them in some way. So they would rather tell those women, don't you do it because I don't want to do it. And Phyllis, Phyllis was, you know, basically holding all of these, you know, not rallies, but like meetings and groups with women and saying, when you make your point, you need to be ladylike. You need to be all the things that you just listed that, you know, were feminine. And so they used feminine traits to shame you know, what are traditional feminine traits to shame women who were not. And ultimately that won because the equal rights amendment stalled. And then, you know, I mean, right now it, it's, it's finally, we got the, the last state um, in January with uh, Virginia, but we still have this battle to go through f- because it, you know, it expired. The, there was a deadline and the deadline expired. So it's like, of course, Congress can remove the deadline. They can, they can also, extend the deadline like they did before. So, um, but you know, we would need Democrats to do that. That's a whole nother podcast. But I mean, like the point is like, I think it's not that I'm trying to say that I'm right. It's just that I'm, I'm looking at this through a lens of patriarchy dictates that women behave a certain way that is not beneficial to women. And that could get them hurt. Doesn't mean that they become dangerous or threatening, but they can be threatening because if you have enough women who are telling other women, you need to do this, you need to stay with your man and you need, you know, well, there's a lot of women out there who are with men who are abusive and they want to get out. But there's this pressure um, to behave a certain way. And right now, it's not as bad, obviously, as it was in the 70s, but we do see this huge, like, conservative effort um, to keep women down. So I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on that, because, again, it's not that women are necessarily going to be violent. And you did kind of make mention when you were going through that list of, you know, if you're too, um, whether it's timid or if you're, if, you're, if you're not doing enough and allowing violence to happen. But the violence isn't coming from the woman. It's not coming from, it's not a feminine trait, obviously. But it can exacerbate violence on the other, with, you know, coming from men. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely tracking with the behavior that you're describing. And I would agree that it is, toxic in a colloquial sense um i i'm not sure that it is i I guess what the way i see it is yes the behavior that you're describing is problematic uh endemic certainly much more common among white women Mm -hmm. than um women of color mm-hmm. um and worth worth addressing 100 percent. i'm not sure i would consider it a theoretical uh partner to toxic masculinity only because um i don't like toxic masculinity is about taking traits that you've been socialized to have and repeating them at such a volume or intensity 
that you are harming other people and it has, you know, sort of a self-perpetuating component where, you know, the more harmful you become, the more manly you become. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's really, I mean, that's the reason why we're even talking about toxic Mm-hmm. Like, it's not about, it's not, we're not doing it to say, like, hey, guys, like, you're the worst. It, it's really, right. like, the whole point of talking about it is, like, we're watching you wind yourselves up into this, like, violent oblivion, and, and it's harming us, and it's harming you, mm-hmm. and um, can can we address this? Because, like, the source of this behavior and this drive to create personal value from masculinity is is harming others. So in the sense of um, ascribing value to performing certain traits and importantly, devaluing those who don't perform those roles, I think that there's a partnership there. Mm -hmm. I guess I would say, you know, the only reason I don't necessarily see it, again, in a theoretical partnership is just because um, I don't see Phyllis Shafley as being traditionally feminine, mm-hmm. like in a real sense. Like she was kind of a phony. Right? Yes, she was absolutely a fraud. Yes. So, like, I, I pulled up a list while I was listening to you explain um, the the story, and you know, feminine traits: passive, nurturing, gentle, submissive, yielding, tender, dependent, collaborative emotional, supportive, and fragile. I, I wouldn't use any of those words to describe Phyllis Schaffler. Mm-hmm. No. So, <laughs> no. <laughs> so I, I think, did she advocate for enforcing those roles? Um, yes. I mean, she, she, yeah. yeah, she did. She basically um, was, well, I mean, I, I think she, I, I, I know that she did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I know that she's sort of like, you know, she's the original trad wife. Right. Mm-hmm. But, I think, to me, it just feels different. It feels like internalized misogyny or like patriarchal enforcement. It doesn't feel like she's being really, she's not being extremely feminine. She's actually being the opposite of feminine. She's just trying to force other people to be extremely feminine. Right. It's like, yeah, she's she's using femininity. She's she's basically, yes, it is internalized misogyny. Absolutely. Um, But I think she is how can I say this? Um, It's like, I see her as using femininity, femininity in a toxic way. Like she's being toxic about it because she's saying in order to keep women from equality, smile more and, you know, uh, be, be what's traditionally considered feminine to, um, make those, you know, dirty hippie feminists back in the 70s, um, which they still call us today, you know, look bad, look angry. And, mm-hmm. um, and so it's it, to me, like I used to call her a toxic gender traitor um, when she was alive. I still think she is. But to me, it's more, it's like, it's, it's like being toxic about femininity, using femininity to make people stay in line. And is that internalized misogyny? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it is patriarch. It's like using it's, it is because it's under the umbrella of patriarchy. It's, it's using the patriarchy's definition of how women should behave to keep them in line. 
So, I mean, I guess I just, you know, I mean, I totally get what you're saying because with, with, with the d- definitions of what feminine is, it's soft and it's, you know, caretaking and all of that. So, yeah, I mean, um, it's not like where in masculinity it can go to rage and, and violence per se. I mean, obviously women can be rageful and violent, but that's not feminine traits. That's not what we can consider to be feminine traits, but it's like, I guess it's just using femininity in a toxic way. I guess that's how I look at it because that's what she did. She, she took femininity and she held it over everybody's head and they wanted to, I mean, these women wanted to hear it. They wa- they wanted to feel it's like they're living lives of servitude and they're considering it privilege. And, you uh-huh. know, maybe it's because they fear that they can't, you know, I mean, at that time, women still needed, you know, a, a man to sign on if they wanted credit and they didn't have the freedom that they have right now. And and the idea of having to go to like, I'm sure there were many women who were stuck in in unhappy relationships and were mothers and knew that if they were going to get a divorce, they probably wouldn't be able to afford to live on their own and be a single mother. And that whole I mean, I know this, the, the woman that I'm no longer friends with because of her stupid covid post um, you know, she married this guy and then eventually wound up having two kids and she couldn't stand him. And she's like, well, I'm stuck because she really wasn't stuck. She could have gotten a job. She could have figured something out, but she didn't want to. It was just, it was just easier to put up with his, I don't think physical abuse, but definitely mental abuse, um, than be independent. Cause it's really fucking hard. I mean, my mom was a single mom and it's hard, you know, it's really hard and it's really scary. So I get it. But um, I don't know. I just, I just thought it, I thought it was such an interesting concept to, because when I look at same thing with Ivanka, you know, she's got this whole breathy ultra feminine thing going on as if, you know, she's superior to everyone. And, um, and, 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 and even Melania, it's that idea of like conservatives say that she's the classiest first lady ever. And it's this pressure to try to make women feel like they need to behave that way in order to be loved and it's like a toxic, but it's still coming from patriarchy. Yeah, I mean, I think when I when I really think about why feels like, well, again, I one hundred percent agree that this that this exists. And again, I think it's it's definitely primarily a a women of privilege, most often yeah. white women behavior. Mm-hmm. Um. But I think the reason I don't, the reason I struggle with just pairing it up again in a theoretical sense, like in a theory of yeah. sociology. I, I think I, I get uh, you. Yeah. Is, is like, you know, the, the purpose of toxic masculinity as a theory is to say we've observed these behaviors coming from men mm-hmm. on a consistent basis. And we've observed that although these are maladaptive behaviors, they appear to be undertaking them mm-hmm. because they are, get, you know, they gain personal value. They give value to one another. They get, they feel value personally from, from engaging in this behavior and they, and they police one another in so far as that those who don't are, are seen are given less value. Yes. So what is the source of that? It's masculinity. Yes. So that's, that's why 
it's that you know that's the purpose of the theory is to say this behavior is attributed to this set of socialized mm-hmm. traits. In the in the situation that we're talking about, um, <clears throat> the source of this you know uh, manipulative, cruel, uh, rule setting, uh, bound you know boundary setting, uh, glass ceiling creating behavior is a desire to have power over another woman. Right. So it's not necessarily uh, to be like, it's it's not that these women ascribe genuine value in one another based on their femininity. It's power seeking and hierarchical, which is 100% antithetical to traditional feminine. Yeah. So, so I think that's why, like, I do think it's definitely a behavior that we should be talking about and, and worth, um, you know, studying and figuring out, you know, it's, it, it's, it's the com- most common response mm-hmm. when I say, I don't think that toxic masculine or toxic femininity in, in a theoretical sense exists. People will immediately jump to, you know, mean girls mm-hmm. and, you know, toxic beauty standards and, and everything else. So it's, it's a natural inclination. I just, I think, I think it's close, but for me, not quite. Gotcha. Well, it's, I, I wanted to talk to you about this cause I mean, it hadn't occurred to me that whole idea just had never occurred to me before. And, you know, and I really do despise Schlafly. She is, uh, I, I just can't even fucking, bu- it's so worth watching that though, because first of all, Kate Blanchett is just fantastic. And, um, there's a lot of recognizable faces. In fact, did you ever watch Orange is the New Black? Yes, a so, long time. Yes, um, well, the woman who played Crazy Eyes is playing Sh- Shirley Chisholm, and she's fantastic. Oh so, my god! Yeah, she's really good. So it's just it's really a good show, but it just fucking infuriates you. You're like ah. Uh-huh. So um, okay, now I want to like when I talked to you last time, I told you I wanted to talk to you about the term slut, and just a little backstory. Okay, first of all, I am a Generation X person. So when I, you know, when I grew up, people used that word and nobody got scolded for it. And I'm not defending it. I'm just saying that's where we were. Like, for instance, I know that there's an episode of Friends where Jennifer Aniston refers to somebody as a slut and it got big laughs and nobody cared. Obviously, we have evolved. And especially since Rush Limbaugh went off on Sandra Fluke for, you know, wanting her religious... I think it was a religious college to incorporate insurance basically for um, birth control pills and include birth control pills on their insurance plan. And he, for three days called her a slut and demanded her sex video. And, you know, and that just led to this whole big fucking deal. And um, at that point in my journey (laughs) to where I am now, I was like, I, I, I definitely wanted to, um, address this and I I was like you know an author at the time and I was just trying to sell my my book The Virgin Diaries and I hadn't really become political so I wrote an article open letter to Rush Limbaugh from a liberal slut and of course it was sarcastic and all this stuff and it got a bunch of attention it started me in my you know political activism feminism online experience and so Mm -hmm. then I was asked to be the spokesperson for Rock the Slut Vote which I was and I made a couple of speeches and did a couple of different things whatever so um I don't like the term slut because I understand that it's um, meant to shame women. And, you know, I mean, there, there's like the literal 
dictionary definition, which is something like a slovenly woman. But I think we all understand slut is supposed to mean a woman who enjoys sex or a woman who has sex with multiple partners or a woman who behaves in such a certain way. So I want to ask you a question, and, and it's not coming from an adversarial point of view. And any, I just want to be very clear about this. I, I don't want to defend anything. But I want to kind of ask you your opinion on this, because there was a situation um, back in the 80s where, and I'll set up the story. So I was friends with this girl, and she had a single mom, and my mom was a single mom. And so we lived in Silver Lake, California, and... So her mom was raped and I guess like the, the rapist had been casing the house and asked when it happened, you know, where's your daughter, which was really freakish. But, um, so my mother had met my friend's mother. We'll just say her name is Jane. So my mother had met Jane before and didn't like her. She kind of thought she was icky and just didn't like her, but she gets raped and doesn't really have any friends. So my mom, you know, said, okay, well, you can come over. And we were living in a, an apartment. And my mom said, you know, you can come stay with us. So, you know, she was clearly shaken up from this whole thing and didn't feel comfortable living alone anymore. And begrudgingly, my mother said, all right, well, we can move in together. We'll get, we'll become roommates and we'll get a house. So we did. We, we got a house in Hollywood. And um, I was thrilled because I got to live with my best friend. Mm-hmm. And then, so during the court, you know, d- turns out that Jane was a fucking psychopath, but, you know, we, we didn't know the extent of it. Um, and and, and f- I'm going to tell you a story. It got way worse from the story I'm going to tell you. So my mom had a crush on a maitre d' who worked at a restaurant that we used to frequent all the time. And they had never gone out, but she liked him and she thought he was cute. So, uh, you know, Jane and my mother decided they were going to go to this restaurant. And my mom's like, hey, I really like the maitre d'. He's really hot, blah, 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 blah. So Jane knows that my mom likes him. And immediately when they, you know, get to the restaurant and have all their introductions, Jane tells this guy in a very flirtatious way, I have a waterbed at home. And this guy winds up going home, which my mother shares because they're roommates, going home (laughs) with Jane and having sex with her. And, um, And so what I wanted to ask is like, okay, I could totally see, and you know, I mean, I don't remember using the term slut. I'm not saying I never did. I'm sure I did. I just don't remember it. But like in that particular case, I might've said, well, she's such a slut. And so I'm just, you know, now we're in this atmosphere where I don't like to use the term slut. I don't like it at all because there's no equivalent for a man. If you call a man slut, he's like, he loves it. He thinks he's the big hot guy. Um, There's just no equivalent to shame a man you know, for liking sex or something like that. So, but what she, what she did was beyond liking sex, you know, she dissed a friend and I'm just wondering, like, is there, is there a term that we could all agree on to describe her behavior? That's very specific to her behavior. That isn't slut. Because I mean, of course you could call her a bitch, but you know, a bitch could have done a number of different things to be called a bitch. This, this is something that, it, you know, I mean, I guess you could come up with the term skanky. I don't know if skanky is the thing. I don't even know if younger people use that term anymore. But, like, it, what are your thoughts on that? Um, well, okay. So, first of all, I share your um, aversion to the word slut. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I... I don't have any issue with people who, you know, well, I don't have any issue with women who choose to use it 
amongst one another with a mutual understanding. So right. like, I remember that I had friends, it's mostly when I was in high school and college where, you know, they would say like, Hey slut or, you know, whatever. So, um, so I can remember, um, I can remember people saying that and like at the time it not really offending me or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's, see, the thing about the word slut is that it's not just about being promiscuous. Mm-hmm. It's about being dirty. Right. Yeah. Like there's um, something wrong with you. Yeah. Like it's, it's someone who is of low moral character. Yes. And, and so we, we attribute of low moral character two women who enjoy sex yes but the word slut is really kind of like it's not just that you enjoy sex and thus we can infer that you are a low moral character it's it's like it's it's really all wrapped up in the word Mm -hmm. right because um i there are other you know like you could say i guess the word promiscuous annoys me too because it, it has the um it has the suffix that that uh, is about being married, and I just find it to be like kind of silly in this day and age. But um, I, I don't know that there is a neutral term for a woman who enjoys sex. At least that's widely used without there being this this additional connotation that you are of, of low moral character. Well, but it's not so much of a woman who enjoys sex. The gen- the neutral term. It's a woman who. The way that she be like, she knew my mom liked this guy and Mm -hmm. she went in for the kill, you know, and, and used sexuality to immediately get his attention to, and she dissed who this woman who not only was supposed to be like her friend, but who helped her out after a really awful situation. And so she like stabbed her in the back really. And, and so the behavior in and of itself in that moment, it's like, what would be a way to describe so that if you were going to say she w- she behaved X or she is an X, where people would automatically understand that she used sex to like to betray a friend or or what like like I said the only thing that I can come up with is her behavior was skanky, but I don't even like that word just because yeah, I don't think yeah, it I mean, really. I feel like that's like pretty much the same thing. I mean, every word that's coming into my mind right now is like. Not appropriate for various reasons. <laughs> yeah, like I, Anything's I, appropriate know. on this show. Yeah, I, I mean, like, in terms of, like, it's problematic. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I was trying to think of, like, right. what is a word that someone would say, like, is luring, like, with sex? And see, again, all of those yeah. have, like, additional connotations. Uh-huh. Like, the, the term Lolita came to my mind. Yeah. I'm like, Ugh. And then, <laughs> um, you know, like a vixen or, uh, you know, like, I mean, these are all like sort of, uh, you know, not particularly common words, but I guess I don't know if it, like, if it matters that she used, like, does it, do you feel like it's relevant that she used sex to like, do you feel like it's worse that she backstabbed her friend with sex than it would be if she backstabbed her by like, whispering in the guy's ear that she's like not a nice person and like he should date her instead or whatever. Uh, no, it's not that I think it's worse. It's I, I think, I guess I'm just curious because this, 
thought runs through my mind because I want to avoid the word slut. Um, and it, and it's, 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 it's something that, you know, I mean, I learned, I'd say in 2012, not to say that I was this big fan of calling everyone a slut because I, I wasn't. Um, mm-hmm. but again, I, you know, I mean, when I was 12 years old, 13 years old, I had a crush on this boy in eighth grade. And, you know, I mean, he was a Japanese boy and I'm sure he was, I don't remember, but I'm sure he's much shorter than me. Cause I was probably like five, eight, you know, and he was probably, I don't know, five, two. But he reminded me of Mick Jagger, and that's and I was fucking in love with Mick Jagger. So um, he had like Mick Jagger's haircut, and I remember he wore these like glasses that had like a blue tint to them. And he was kind of a cute guy, and I had a crush on him. And so um, I was much bigger than he was. Plus, I at the time was kind of for me heavy. I was like probably five eight and one hundred and seventy pounds. So I was a big girl, and uh-huh. I'm sure he looked at me and just wanted to you know how boys are I mean a 13 year old boy would see this girl who's huge and finding out that I had a crush on him he he called me a slut which was funny because I was like the most prudish person that ever walked the face of the earth at that point but um I you know I mean I never kissed a boy I never did anything and you know but he called me a slut and I just thought that was a really weird choice to call me that but I mean I I think the idea is that and it's not that this is the most important thing in the world because it isn't, but it's just the idea of there's a behavior from, from one woman to another. Okay. Like here's another example. Um, I was 17 and I was with my boyfriend and we went to a party and some girl in front of me came up to my boyfriend and literally just started rubbing her vagina on his leg. I mean, she was clothed. She had clothes on. But she knew that I was his girlfriend and her behavior was just so blatant and she didn't give a shit that I was standing there and she's like rubbing on him. And what do you call that behavior? You know, I mean, and it, I, I just because I don't want to say slut, but I, I wonder if there's something if there's a way we can describe it that gets the point across. Without using language that denigrates women. I guess. I mean, is yeah, there? I mean, it's kind of hard because, I mean, I, I wouldn't. I would advise against uh, using, you know, like unless you're using the word "slut" to reclaim it. Mm-hmm. Like it is one hundred percent a gendered mm-hmm. insult. You know. Yes. And so I, I don't. I think that's why it just doesn't sit right with me. Yeah. And so I think if there were some sort of like, you know, I, again, I'm having a hard time thinking of even really like, like an, an adjective that fits. Yeah. But, um, I think, Because uh, the same thing you know, could like, be applied to men. Like for instance, a man might, you know, do this to a, a friend where he knows his friend really likes a woman or a girl or whatever. And then he does something to get that girl like, Oh, I've got, you know, whatever it is that he thinks is going to entice this girl away and, and bring him over to himself. It, the same word adjective could be applied. I just don't know what it is. How, yeah, what is that I mean, behavior? This feels like something where there would be like some kind of like weird regional nickname for this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, Oh yeah. You know, they call her they, they, like, Oh, she's a, right. She's a, she's a Karen. Or, 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 <laughs> you're like a what? No, like, yeah, because like, something so again yeah. probably something like horribly like uh, like gross phrase yeah. but i mean i think it's like 
I'm sure that there are probably slang terms for it. I know it's a thing among guys. Um, like, I don't know what they would call it. Um, but I think it's kind of like, it's tough when you're talking about women in this particular situation, because, and, and this is actually something I've been thinking about a lot lately, because I feel like if there's one thing that has exhausted me over the course of the past six months in terms of, you know, like my, my, like my sort of my shtick, right. Is like, I'm trying to help people understand what feminism is. Mm -hmm. And I try to be empathetic toward people who just have, have no, like they're starting from zero or usually they're starting from somewhere negative Mm -hmm. Uh, and and I'm trying to help them understand where I'm coming from, and I, I'm accustomed to getting all kinds of pushback. Yeah, and usually doesn't really exhaust me because like I enjoy talking about feminism, mm-hmm. so like it doesn't, um, you know, it doesn't have this the effect of wearing me down that I think one some people hope it would, and two some people expect that it would. Mm-hmm. But um, the thing that does wear me down is this sort of like gotcha uh conversation style um where it's like well you say that you want equal treatment but like you think it's okay to do x to men but not okay to do x to women Mm -hmm. or you think it's okay in this x situation but not in this x situation and so it's like this idea that because i i want gender equality i think that all treatment of all things should be equal always. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's it's hard to respond to because it's such a, in some ways, like such a ridiculous assumption. Mm-hmm. Yes. But um, also, like, it's sort of like how far, like, you have to back up so far, like, to respond to it that you're almost just like, I... And, and I have found myself just being like, I can't, I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to do this. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's exhausting. And the reason that, that I bring it up here is because, like, there is something different about the way that, I mean, there's obviously something different about the way that we feel about men who have a lot of sex or enjoy sex or mm-hmm. are sexual, talk about sexual things, you know, whatever, and women who behave that way. Yeah. And so if you're already talking, talking about a behavior that is probably you know at least unwanted right like Mm -hmm. this like sort of backstabbing or you know theft of of um of love interest um i think if you add a sexual component it has a different impact mm-hmm. uh, when you're talking about men or when you're talking about women, ju- just because of the way that we view the acceptability of that. Hmm. Um, and so it's sort of like, it, it becomes perhaps like unintentionally more cruel Yeah. when you um, ascribe that type of behavior to a, a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it absolutely does. And so, I mean, I guess I, I don't have a good answer um, other than it sounds like your mom's friend was 
kind of a bitch. <laughs> um, although, you know, I'm sure she was a very multifaceted individual, but that was very, well, she was, was, she was not a very good person. <laughs> like I said, there's really, stories beyond I'll, that. I'll, 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 I will retract my prior statement. That was a very shitty thing to do. Yeah. And, yeah. um, I, um, as you know, I have a very low tolerance for women who, compete with other women yes or undermine them just for the sake of it or you know yeah mm-hmm. i mean and she, she this is how bad this woman was and i mean it, it it got really 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 bad because eventually i had gone to maryland for the summer and while i was gone this woman started taking shit which the, the entire house was basically decorated with my mom's stuff because she didn't have very much and she started taking my mom's shit and hoarding it in her bedroom. She put a lock on it. And I know she had a gun. And there was a point where my mom was actually afraid for her life. And so eventually my mom got out of that situation and she got a new apartment. And we, she moved from Hollywood to Torrance, California, which is a good like hour drive. And I was in Maryland doing my summer thing. I come back. I'm living in Torrance. Uh, not too long. I get some, somehow I'm you know, the, the girl that I was friends with and that all kind of fell apart, but she had contacted me and we did see each other because our friendship was to, we were still kind of friends, but it was weird because our parents just got into this huge fight. And anyway, so I went and I spent the night with her and oh my God, her mom's apartment was decorated with all the shit that was my, like ours. You know, it's like walk in and I'm like, oh, okay, that's ours and that's ours. And it was so awkward and it was so, she was such a weird woman. Um, just mean spirited and all, you know, just terrible, terrible fucking woman. And, you know, great, you know, my mom was just so grateful to get away from her, but it was weird because she had moved to Torrance too. Well, she actually moved to Redondo beach, which close enough to Torrance. And I didn't stay friends with this girl who I was friends with. Eventually I got new friends, but it was just, um, yeah, what she did was shitty. And I, you know, over the years I've, I've thought about that specifically, when I got involved and, and rock the slut, but was all about reclaiming the word and just, you know, saying it's just kind of the idea of like Yankees took that word and said, okay, if you're going to call me a Yankee, I'm going to make a song. I'm a Yankee doodle dandy and fuck, fuck you. And so, um, and it's funny because I still run that Facebook page and occasionally people come to, you know, they come to the page and, and say, you know, why are you doing this? Why are you calling yourself sluts? And, you know, I did an interview with somebody in HuffPost when this went down and I always just send them that interview. It's like explains everything. But, you know, I, I, I feel like as a Gen Xer, um, my generation, you know, you could go back to the boomer generation too, but specifically my generation, we, you know, we acted a certain way. We, we, we allowed certain things like for instance, in the breakfast club, you know, um, Molly Ringwald had just seen it with her daughter. And there was, I don't know if you've seen it, but there was that scene where Judd Nelson, the bad boy stuck his face between her legs when he was hiding under the desk. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, she squeezed it and freaked out and, you know, and she said she was watching that with her daughter and she felt uncomfortable because she had to explain that to her. And, um, you know, and I mean, I don't, I don't look at those movies and think, oh my God, that's so horrible and it should never have happened. But at the same time, back then, nobody thought anything of it. I mean, there was a scene in, um, in Animal House where this girl, like, land, this drunk girl lands on this guy's bed and he's got a devil on, and she's passed out, devil on one shoulder, angel on the other, and like the devil's trying to convince him to rape her. And the angel's like, don't do it. And, Nobody had a fight. Like, I can't even imagine if that movie came out today with that scene. We would be so up in arms about it, and rightfully so. But back then, it was just something everybody laughed at and nobody thought about it. 
So, you know, I'm coming from this place of we accepted certain things that are no longer accepted. And I agree with why they shouldn't be accepted. I mean, I don't want to be extreme about it. And I don't want to be like, you know, so politically correct that you can't have a sense of humor. But at the same time, I don't think we should be punching down. I don't think we should be, you know, like, for instance, there's a whole idea of rape jokes. It's like, sure, you, you have the freedom to make them. And then you have to accept the fact that people aren't going to like it and you're going to get blowback. But the bottom line is it's like, why do you think that's funny? Why would, I mean, would you make fun of someone? Would you make jokes about people who have lost their children? It's just not funny. Yeah. <laughs> the, the phrase rape joke is an, ox, is an oxymoron. Right. It's like, you know, jokes are meant to be funny. And like there are, you know, there's, there is a school of comedy that says, um, you know, comedy comes from pain and mm-hmm. you have to be able to poke fun at the, the difficult things. And I understand that, but I think, um, I think if you are like rape is necessarily like a very, I mean, it's the most, it's the most degrading thing, yeah. you know, that can ever happen to you. Like it's, it's, it's literally the most degrading thing. And mm-hmm. so I just don't see how you could ever not be punching down. Yeah. I mean, it absolutely is. I just, I just, I feel like whether or not it's your right to make, you know, fun of that isn't the point. The point is, is why would you want to, what is it? Like there are so many topics to choose from to make people laugh. There are so I mean, many places I, you can I, go. I I have a right to shit my pants. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. and I, like, it doesn't mean I should do it. Like, <laughs> you know, like, like I, this is America. <laughs> I could shit yeah, my I pants. I, want. Like, I could I go catch mean, coronavirus. Like a dumb, <laughs> dumb argument. It is. And it just, it just, it really bugs me. But um, anyway, well, I'm, I, I'm glad to get, I, I wanted to get like for the longest time now, I've wanted to talk to you about toxic femininity ever since I talked to Jared because he brought that up and I thought, hmm, that's an interesting concept. And I, you know, and I know, I knew you would have all kinds of interesting things to say. And of course you did. And then, you know, I mean, again, I don't want to turn this into um, this idea of I, I, I am just living my life unhappy because I can't figure out the slut situation. But I, I do, I did want to talk to you about it specifically because you are a, a feminist and you're a respected feminist and you are so logical when you make your points and you know this is obviously coming from an emotional point of view um and I just like and I'm glad to hear like you know I mean I agree with you like there is no way to describe that kind of behavior especially without a gender like there's no gender neutral way to describe it and I think that that's I I think for me what that like the important thing of this, not that the slut part is important, but it's just like, as we're navigating this particular climate, especially now, um, I don't know. It's like, I, 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 I want to feel like I have a full understanding of what's the best way to handle things. Um, and to, no, I, mean, I, yeah. I think honestly, I mean, listening to you, like talk, like talk this out, you know, mm-hmm. is like, like I recognize that thought process Mm -hmm. and I you know I love it I love when I have that thought process where I I start to go well I mean there has to be a neutral way to say this and then like 
I just want to describe this thing. There has to be a way to do it. And it's like, well, I guess I would have to gender it because it is seen differently. And it's like, oh, yeah. Oh, it is seen differently. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of of like, oh, wait, like it's, it's, uh, you know, it's that again. And, um, and it's sort of, um, in, and I don't, you know, I, I don't mean to patronize you in any way when I say that. I mean, I, it happens to me all the time. But I think um, there is, there's, so, you know, when you talk about, like, um, academic feminism, right? There's lots of different types of feminism. Mm-hmm. Um, but sort of at the core, at, you know, the very um, baseline of the, of, of, feminist theories you kind of have um two maybe three main theories you know the first is that men and women should be treated exactly equally Mm -hmm. right so like equally in all respects so Mm -hmm. like that's your women should be drafted you know affirmative action shouldn't exist um you know pregnancy leave um, isn't necessary because men don't get it, but if you mm-hmm. gave men something, then it would be okay. You know, that, that, that yeah. stuff. And then, and then there's, um, you know, equity-based feminism, which basically intends to put everybody on equal footing. Mm-hmm. Um, and most importantly, you know, essentially it's, it's not even necessarily, you know, like it plays out on a, from a policy perspective that you're talking about footing, but what you're really talking about is value. Yeah. So you're saying, um, you know, it's true that, that men and women might, you know, track toward in different ways that are, you know, in some, in some cases binary, you know, women like to do this type of stuff, men like Mm -hmm. to do this type of stuff. But like, as long as we view those things as equally as good, Mm -hmm. um, then that's fine. Um, and then there's the, um, you know, sort of Catherine McKinnons of the world who, um, uh, you know, generally believe that, um, everything, you know, that, that everything men do is violence. Right. Um, yeah. And, um, in, in some, in, in some cases, each one of those is persuasive. Mm-hmm. Right. Like in some situations. And so I sort of um, draw from all three in, in my own personal version of feminism, which, as I said to you, is like mostly organic and just like I just sort of feel like this is the right way to view things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I definitely don't consider myself you know, like I don't have a, a degree in, in gender studies. And no, I'm not making fun of that. It's incredibly interesting. But um I, you know, I have a degree in, in economics and in mm-hmm. law, so I, I'm not, um, a, a master of gender studies. And I think maybe that's why I kind of, I, I was talking with, um, with Clementine Ford recently, who, as you know, is, is one of my mentors and I mm-hmm. just find her to be like, she sort of is one of those academics that I just. I'm like constantly in awe of like her ability to articulate these, these things, you know? Mm -hmm. And she said to me, when are you going to write a book? And I (laughs) said, man, I feel like I have something original to say. Well, um, l- let me just let me just say right now, you have a lot of original things to say because I am not an academic feminist, and I am I'm not some. I mean, I always considered myself to be one, but it wasn't like I walked around announcing it all the time. Um, 
you know, as prior to social media, uh, it, it was just, I, I just, I always was a feminist. My, you know, I was raised by a feminist and I, I believed that women were just going to continue. Like I would have figured by this time, I would have seen at least, at least one woman president. I, mm-hmm. I would have assumed that when I was 20 years old. Um, clearly that hasn't happened, but it, it, it's just now that I, and I, again, I'm not academic, but what's happening to me, because I, I'm, I guess, you know, I mean, I guess I'm known somewhat as a feminist online, but that's not the only thing I focus on. But, you know, I started off my, on, I don't know if you want to call it an online career, online presence as being a big mouth feminist, but, you know, I have definitely, I don't only focus on that subject. So, but what I what I do is, when I like, for instance, if I watch a television show um, from the '80s or '90s, mm-hmm. I see it from such a different perspective now because yeah. I see how patriarchy has affected. And you know, I've realized not that this is such a big uh, realization, but for me, I realized that my my body hatred and body insecurity comes from the patriarchy. And I and the thing is, is I rail against the patriarchy, yet it still has a grip on me. I wish that I could just understand that the patriarchy makes me feel like I'm not feminine enough because I'm, you know, six feet tall with big bones and now I'm like a, a size bigger than I used to be. So I feel like, oh my God, it's the biggest possible fucking sin I could do is just to be a bigger woman than I was when I was thin and, you know, and I hated myself then. And, it, and it's this constant fucking battle that goes on in my head about the way I look. And, and although I take my, I take responsibility for it, you know, I, it's me who's thinking those thoughts, but it's it's from a lifetime of hearing little things. You know, like I remember a friend said to me once, who knows that I have issues with my size, um, even when I was thin and everything. She knew that I had issues. She said something like, oh, my boyfriend loves that I'm so petite. And so it was like a way for her to dig at me and, and show me that she was better off than I, she was a very competitive woman. But, you know, I've, I've heard, you know, you hear these things that maybe aren't necessarily meant to be insults to you um, or have nothing to do with you personally, but you hear them and they get stuck in your head and you're, I'm not that, you know, that, Uh that person is considered beautiful or valuable or whatever the, you know, word is and the adjective is, and then I'm not that. And so, and it's a patriarchal thing. And, you know, I mean, it's funny because my boyfriend now is 6'4", and he's so happy that he's with someone that he's, that's tall and has broad shoulders. And, and he knows how I feel, and he always wants to remind me. But it, and, and, I, and I very much appreciate his sincerity, but all I do in my own head is argue with him. It's like, well, but this. Well, but that. You know, and it's like, well, that's what you think, but that's not what that person thinks. And that's not what, you know, everybody else thinks. And, and so it's like, I, I look at things now through the lens of like, wow, look at there's patriarchy. Like, for instance, I watch the Real Housewives of whatever. I mean, I watch three. I watch Beverly Hills, Orange County and New Jersey. And out of all three that I watch, the Orange County women are the most po- patriarchal bunch. It, it blows my fucking mind. Talk about internalized misogyny and you know, but I still watch them because it's kind of like a soap opera, but I also have my jaw on the floor while I'm watching it. And it's like, wow, we haven't really evolved as much as we like to think we have. I mean, in some cases we have, thank God for people like Clementine Ford, thank God for people like you. But, you know, there's also, there's this huge group of women who are very happy to continue Phyllis Schlafly's 
version of, you know, I don't know, I don't know if you would want to call it feminism, but womanhood, yeah, I, womanhood, I or I don't, I don't even know, but it was like her version of the way women should be. I mean, she basically used, like I said, she used all of what feminists, like there was a path feminists provided for her. She used that path and that platform to hurt women. And so it, you know, and, and I see that happening all the time now. And I see, you know, in, in with younger women and sometimes the way that they talk and they'll still use the word slut and, and they shame each other. And, you know, it's like one of the things my boyfriend always says is like, you should, you should really like take on the subject of the fact that women don't have orgasms most of the time when, when they're having, you know, heterosexual sex. And I can tell you that before I met my boyfriend in all of, not that I had tons of it, but I had my fair share of sex. I had three orgasms and that was it the whole time. So, uh, and women don't speak up about it, but I, you know, I said, I, I, I don't want to take that on because the bottom line is women are still not going to, they're not going to speak up about it because they're afraid they're going to lose the man. So they'll stay, they'll shut up about it and they will allow it to happen. And, mm-hmm. you know, so it's like, I, you know, I mean, I'm just, this is all like a long way of saying that I, I can't, like, I, I look at things differently now than I used to. And I see this patriarchal mindset that we, you know, we have. And I wished that by now we would have come so much further, but we have Trump as a president. We have Ivanka as, and, and you know, and they're calling <laughs> Melania the classi- classiest first lady of all time. And it's like, yep. oh, okay, well, where do we go from here? <laughs> what do we do now? So we'll see. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But before I let you go, I totally want to ask you um, what your opinion is on the the VP pick, because I ask everybody that. Like, who do you want it to be, or who do you want it to be, and who do you think it'll be? Well, um, I mean, I'm a little bit torn on answering that. I I have two top choices. And I, I have, I'm conflicted only because I'm not 100% sure that my assessment of what matters is correct. <laughs> put it that. So um, initially, my top two were number one, Stacey Abrams, number two, Kamala Harris. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, um, it was important to me that we have a woman at least as a VP. Mm-hmm. I don't really care if that bothers people when I say that. Um, I think it is absolutely unconscionable that we are so underrepresented in the centers of power, Yeah, you know, all throughout our society, but especially in the United States, especially given how many people go out of their way to tell me all the time how silly it is for me to not realize that we have gender equality in the United States. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's just, I just, I don't think that, um, it's not that I think a man can't legislate um, um, to the benefit of women or hasn't in the past or wouldn't um, or that, you know, they, none can be trusted um, or aren't smart or that women are inherently better. It's just that I just think that 
women's perspective should be represented. Yes. Um, and so, um, you know, I definitely would like to have a, a woman beauty and I would like to have um, a woman of color for the same reason, because I think um, women of color, you know, I am not one, but having listened um, to many, many women, especially black women talk about their experiences, um, you know, they, they have such an important view mm-hmm. and they have been so ignored and um, I'm constantly in awe of how black women become these incredible leaders because they just like had to work around every yes. single thing. Yes. And they, they just, they have like this amazing bullshit meter and <laughs> yeah. they are so pragmatic. And, um, you know, this is obviously, you know, I'm generalizing here, yeah. but as a, as a group, I have observed those traits Mm-hmm. Often and much to my much impressed. Yeah. Um, and so I think um, you know the the black vote carried carried Joe Biden into mm-hmm. office. And I think um, it would it would be appropriate for him to make sure that they're represented. Mm-hmm. And so then you know there's this whole slew of amazing black women to choose from. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think. Stacey Abrams came to mind because, truthfully, I really, I just really like her. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but I, I find her to be exceptionally smart. Um, she's she a lawyer. I mean, obviously, both her and Kamala are lawyers, so mm-hmm. I guess you can kind of see I have a little bit of a bias there. <laughs> what appeals to me um, conversationally, but I just think she is. Um, you know, I like her backstory. I think she she did an incredible job while she was in the Georgia House. Um, she is like a doer. She's mm-hmm. and she's like Elizabeth Warren that way. You right, know, like yeah. she sort of puts like fixes her her gaze on something to to be done, and and then she is like, here's here's my five step plan, like for doing that thing, and then she's she's doing that thing, mm-hmm. um, and she's unashamed to just be like hey i'm really good at this and i think you should like it and i like that about her yeah um i and i think from what i've heard anyway there are a lot of people who don't like that about her but i find it incredibly like it's galvanizing for me right to see her doing that um so i i like her some of the criticisms of her being really young um are not lost on me and I think honestly, the only reason that I deferred to her, uh, there is a political advantage, you know, her being from Georgia. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, you know, I, I guess I had assumed, I think wrongly so, that Kamala wouldn't feel like a fit for B, for VP. Hmm. You know, like if she would want, um, either an AG spot, which I know she's turned that down once in the past, mm-hmm. but. Um, I just didn't know if Kamala felt like a VP to me, but she has expressed, you know, her yeah. total interest in doing it. So, um, I guess I would be so, so happy with either one of them. And I really hope he does the right thing. And I, and I love Elizabeth Warren with all my heart and soul, but I hope to God he does not try to make her VP. 
um, because it just, it's not the right move. Hmm. Uh, it's not the right place for her. Mm-hmm. You know, she, she's, oh, she's a policymaker. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, I mean, the thing that I I look at that and I, you know, I think that um, I kind of have the feeling and I've I've never been terribly wonderful at political predictions. So keep that in mind. But, um, you know, the other day and I've said I've read this quote on the show like 30 times now, so I'm not going to read the quote. But the other day, Biden announced his panel. He's going to have a panel um, of VP and VP picks, I guess. and, And he said something like. Basically, the American public needs to know that if I step down, that this person can be president immediately. And I just think that I don't see him lasting for a full first term. I just don't think he's going to. And, and I, I always have to say that it's not that I think he's going to die or anything like that. I just think that it's um, going to be too much. He's 80 years old. This is like the worst situation in history since, I don't know, 1918. And, and we didn't have Trump then. So it's like Trump plus the economy plus the global pandemic, um, whoever, you know, if Joe Biden becomes president and I hope that he does, he's going to have, I mean, like, and I always say this, like, look at how fast Obama aged after just George Bush and Biden is 80. Does he really have the stamina and the energy and the everyday what it's going to take to, you know, clean up this mess. And I honestly don't know that he has it. And I think that his VP pick is probably going to step into that role. He kind of hinted at it when, you know, no president points out that there, or, or at least presidential candidate points out that the VP is all about who's, you know, needs to step in in case I can't do it anymore. If I step down, that's a given. We all know that. I mean, I think that, when I when I view Biden, um, I I, uh, I mean, especially at the present moment, I have kind of mixed feelings about how I see him, just like as an individual. But I think um, I I sort of assume from day one, like that whoever the VP is is essentially performing. Like this is like a Dick Cheney situation. Yes. You know? Yeah. 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 So I mean, and I I think. I think it says a lot about our country. Like, I think a lot of people feel that way. Yeah. Frankly, I think it's kind of the best case scenario, depending on who chooses. Um, because it's like, we, like, maybe even he knew, like, that it was his role to play. To like, I don't really want to make my own policies. And, like, I don't yeah. want to do all this. Like, I don't, I don't want to put all the energy that Obama put in to the presidency. But I know that like, I can get elected. Right. And so why don't you just elect me and then I'll just let the VP run the show. Like that's what it feels like to me. Yeah. And and I think that's kind of it. And I think he's also obviously going to have a lot of advisors who are going to help him along this uh, journey that he's on. But yeah, I mean, I kind of resent that it, it's about that, but I also recognize that, I mean, that's just where we are. I don't like it. I would, I much, you know, pisses me off that the women were so immediately discarded. And I mean, you know, Warren went as far as she went 
and and Amy stayed in the race for as long as she did. But it's like Kamala. Now Kamala's campaign wasn't run that great, so that's part of it. But it's still she's a woman and she's a woman of color, and you know it, it's like she had to drop out and Chris Kirsten Gillibrand dropped out because she didn't have the numbers needed and and the money needed and it's because they're women exactly that that's absolutely it she made some great points while she was there but yes i mean but but it's also it's al franken but it's also just women in general because what did we wind up with the two older white men those were the two and then it and then it turned into biden so um it's i like i feel resentful about it but at the same time i feel like well this is just where we are this is where we are. And I think that he is like he said, he's the bridge to the younger generation. And to a degree, I think he is. But I think really he's the bridge to the first female president. Yeah. And I, I mean, you know, you you made a point once and I totally agree with you. It shouldn't be that way. It should. You know, the woman should win on her own merits. It shouldn't be because a man is holding her hand and helping her up there. But, you know, I'll fucking take it under these circumstances because it will make her president um, and we'll finally have it. It's kind of like the ERA. Um, if, if it, if it took men to get it, I'll take it because it means we've got it, but it kind of sucks that, um, Uh it would have to be that way. It's like, it shouldn't have to be that way, but we're still so wrapped up and, you know, there's still too many people who say, oh, a woman doesn't have the emotional, um, preparedness or, or the emotional ability to be president because she gets her period. I mean, we still have people thinking that, you know, while, while we have this lunatic in office who's telling everybody to drink bleach. It's just like, yeah. oh, my God, <laughs> it's just crazy. I, I can't help but, you know, go back to Warren's interview with Rachel Maddow after she. Yes. Um, after she dropped out. And like, I loved that interview because um, I'm a geek and Elizabeth Warren is a geek. And that's why I like her. I wish I could be like, that's why we love each other. But like, she's right. Like, but uh, <laughs> but um. I think she would, I think she would like me though. Um, <laughs> I think so too. She, she, uh, she started talking about what she saw happening in the global economic climate, which as you know, you know, my professional world outside of Twitter is much more involved in, um, you know, the, the economic climate and the regulation of, um, financial markets. And, um, she started sort of deep diving in a way that I'm sure like if, if Rachel had known that she was going to get like that academic and she probably wouldn't have asked her the question, but she sort of laid out in about, I don't know, maybe two, two minutes total, exactly how, um, the immediate global recession was going to play out. Yeah. And, um, it was just like perfect. You know, she talked about, um, futures bottoming out. She talked about the Fed dumping in money and how it wasn't going to do anything because it wasn't a liquidity crisis. And like, now I'm doing it now. I'm doing the thing where I'm getting too academic, but it, it was just like, I was listening to her and it was not only heck did she have this amazing ability to, to say these really complicated ideas in such a succinct way, which, you know, is sort of the mark of somebody who really understands something. But, um, she was fucking right yeah. <laughs> about all of it. Yeah, she was. Um, and, um, uh, which by the way, small side note, 
um, if you have any interest in women who are totally right about really important things, uh, you should Google Brooksley Bourne. There are a couple of books about her. Uh, there's a, a few documentaries. She predicted the uh, financial crisis. She was kicked out of government for bringing it to the Senate. And um, she is an amazing person. She's still alive. And she's incredibly smart. So uh, this, that's my sidebar. Sleep more and she's amazing. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, wow. This has been an interesting conversation, and I'm really glad that you're here because, um, like I said, for a while I've been wanting to talk to you about all of these things, and and I wanted to get your take on it. So I appreciate your candor and your your indulging me. <laughs> it's just yes, definitely always a fun thing for me to, you know, you you are my academic uh, feminist friend. And I appreciate your opinion and I appreciate your intelligence and your thoughtfulness because um, your posts, not only, I mean, they inspire me and all that. And I don't, I'm not just trying to kiss your ass. I, I want to make this point that they inspire me, but they make me think and they make me question things. And, um, you know, I'm constantly doing that as somebody who believes in women's equality and all of that, pe- people's equality. Um, I, I feel like, you know, there are certain issues that come up and I'm like, I want to like fine tune. And I, I, you know, sometimes it's not like the most pressing issue ever, but at the same time, it's something that as a woman, you know, goes through my mind and I, and I want to find an answer to it. And so I like to talk to somebody who, A, you're younger, you come from a different generation, you have a different perspective sometimes than I do. And also you do have that, you know, you're not, you're not somebody who got uh, a degree in, you know, those, that particular area, but at the same time, you do have a way of taking these complex issues and being able to fit them in a tweet and, and you can echo what other people are thinking and they don't know, you know, they don't know how to say it. Sometimes that's how I feel like I don't really know how to express it. And then you just like wrap it all up in a tweet and, and you make it so easy to understand. So I appreciate it. I, you know, I, I know I always tell you this, but it's true. And I think that you're an important part of the conversation. So anyway, that's me kissing your ass. <laughs> well, I will, I, will, uh, I will come back at you with what I always say, which is that I always enjoy coming um, on to the podcast. And I really look forward to it because it's like just I feel like we're just sitting down, like talking about the most interesting thing in the yeah. world to me you know, <laughs> time. So I, I appreciate uh, the opportunity that you granted me to, to nerd out with you. And uh, <laughs> I will be looking forward to the next one. All right. Well, you take care and, um, Oh wait, tell everybody where they can find you. Not like you um, already have like 200,000 people following you, but whatever. <laughs> tell everyone where uh, they can find you. <laughs> my, my, my account is currently going down. Because I think I said something that people didn't like. Oh, well, they'll uh, go back up. I, uh, which is, you know, normal. Um, you can find me on Twitter, um, Feminist Next Door, uh, at MRAZ, at E M R A Z Z. Yay. And I'll put that, um, I always link everybody's Twitter to the Patreon description of the show. So um, that'll be it for now. Thank you, M. And I will talk to you next time. Great. Bye bye. Ah, always good to talk to her. I'm just going to keep this really brief and really short today because I have to respond to an email from that friend that uh, posted the bullshit information about COVID. She, she messaged me while I was talking to M and it's like, oh my God, I want to respond to her so badly. So anyway, I'm just going to keep this uh, short, but I do hope you enjoyed the conversation and I really love feedback. So definitely leave your comments. I want to hear what you have to say on this. I know that 
whenever feminism is discussed, there's lots of opinions flying around. So let's let's get it going. What do you have to say about it? What do you think? Do you agree with her? Uh, do you do you feel like we didn't touch on something? Whatever your opinion is, that's great. I want to know it, even if you disagree. Don't forget, you can find me on Twitter at author Kimberly K I M B E R L E Y, and you can also find my books at uh, on Amazon with Kimberly A Johnson. So that's going to be it for today, and we will see you next week. <laughs>